You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode four of the Microsoft Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Mark Cashman, a senior product manager with the Microsoft 365 marketing team focused on SharePoint and OneDrive. This is Christian Buckley with another Microsoft Buzz Chat, and I'm here today with Mr. Mark Cashman. Hey, Mark. Well, hello, Christian. How are you wherever you are? I think you're back home, but I think last I saw you, you were here in the Pacific Northwest. Yes, it's. Uh, I, I went. It was. I think warmer out there. Uh, I was trying to remember the weather. I didn't go outside much while I was there. We had SharePoint Fest conference going on, and uh, yeah. And the- the weather inside the Washington State Convention Center was amazing. Yes. Yeah. It was excellent. What I find is conference center weather patterns are very similar around the world. People don't know that, you know. Think it's very that. true. I think I think there's a white paper in that. Uh, yeah. We'll do some research. We'll pull up some data, you know. Uh, but uh, it's great for you to join us. For those that don't know, Mark, Mark, why don't you introduce yourself? Give us some of the, the background, what you're focused on now, but maybe even a little bit of the history, what led you into this role and, and what you're focused yeah, on. Yeah, so uh, currently I'm focused on both SharePoint and OneDrive, primarily what we're doing for collaboration. So on sort of that left-hand side of the spectrum as you're working through things with the nitty-gritty, collaborating with other people, um, our integration with Microsoft Teams, I sort of own that component. You know, once we start building new, I make sure everybody knows about it. Um, I'm also doing some of what our friend Bill Bear used to do because Bill has now moved holistically over to Microsoft Search and AI-powered experiences. So some of what he was doing around migration, uh, some of what he was doing, obviously, with on-premises connections and hybrid. I heard uh, that rumor. I wasn't sure if it was, it was like all dumped over on you or, or some of the admin uh, capabilities that Bill owned. Is it spread out across the, the team or? So you, if you know Bill, anybody knows Bill, he was managing probably about six main areas. He was doing SharePoint spaces. He was doing search on-premises, hybrid, um, some of our migration efforts, uh, you know, just a lot of things. And obviously admin, um, the way that Microsoft 365 marketing is now structured or got a little restructured and where Bill landed was obviously kind of no longer SharePoint, which is a little weird to say out loud. Um, it is weird. But some of what he was yeah. – <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you've known Bill for as, as long as I have or more, and uh, but he's still certainly connected into SharePoint from a search perspective. We're one of his main entry points. I'm um, sure he'll be voicing, he'll throw in and answer questions that are out on the, uh, the interwebs as they surface as well. He, that's, that's, that's Bill. If he knows the answer, he'll try and help out as well. Oh, yeah. Bill jumps in. Bing jumps in, SharePoint jumps in, OneDrive jumps in. Everybody's jumping in when it comes to search. Um, so some of what he was doing for admin actually is now being taken over by the broader admin motions of which we have a team that's dedicated to the Office 365 admin. So you can imagine, you know, anything you would administer for SharePoint would be a part of what an, a cloud admin would do. It just makes sense. Um, right? yep. Yeah. And so he got piece parted, you know, in a few places. I got a few things. Chris McNulty got a few things. Uh, some other team members, you know, picked up spaces to help out as that transitions possibly over you know, to an even greater uh, scenario beyond SharePoint um, or where it would fit, not just the scenario itself. Right. So anyway, that's how things work. So I've gotten a few new responsibilities, primarily SharePoint for collaboration, OneDrive all up, 
and uh, some of this migration and admin. Uh, before that, just sort of the how did I get here, I, I've actually been doing SharePoint from a marketing perspective. I was the first SharePoint online product manager. This was as we stopped doing um, spinning up of a VM on a desktop so that we could show you SharePoint on-premises. It was my first job to crack open a web browser and show you SharePoint online, which was uh, much easier for the, the laptop they had to give to me. It was a much smaller laptop with a smaller brick. I didn't have to carry around a server. Um, they probably weighed but, five times as much though. <laughs> yeah, it was still bigger than my Surface Pro is yeah. now, yeah. Uh, but it definitely was the smallest laptop on the team. And I literally could just open a browser and start to do my demos versus warming up a VM and getting all those demos going. Well, what was the um, time frame? What was the time frame for that, Mark? Because because you know, when I was uh, so I was uh, joined Microsoft back in two thousand six. So back before it got renamed as BPOS into and yep. you know so that was all of the the the, the dedicated uh, online pieces and it, I left just as the team got rebranded as Office 365 and went over into AdOps. Um, yeah, so, it's it's kind of, it's it's just a couple of years before we, we rebranded to Office 365. So SharePoint Online obviously already existed before we got the name Office 365. BPOS was the name, the suite. And up until the point before I joined, they really had managed it as a suite. Um, without any real specifics uh, with dedicated headcount for people to actually market the cloud. Because at that point, we were really just talking about what is SharePoint in a hosted fashion. Right. Uh, we had our and dedicated all the business server solutions and all that stuff that was all still out there. And yeah, it just was a very kind of one-to-one -one ratio. But it, more when I started was what is the cloud not? And, and that wasn't to ding SharePoint online. That's just the realities of moving from product to service took a number of years, uh, and even through the rebrand of BPOS to Office 365, SharePoint Online to become a service, you know, to me really started to hit around 2013. Uh, and as we moved into the 2016 era of on-premises, we actually started to flip. That's when we started to actually pull the code that we were putting into the service and cut a version for on-prem, which is also what we did for SharePoint Server 2019. Um, but the foundation in the cloud that we really have uh, grown and in some respects uh, surrounded in SharePoint Online with just a ton of other automation tools and scale and reliability and all of the security doesn't mean that what is on-premises is any lesser than. It's just there's a whole host of things that go into online. Included in that, a lot of my role then became was what is now not just different about online, but what's new in online. So we, we shifted actually to a, a standard product manager role. Um, but, you know, ways back it was working very closely with the exchange team, yep. uh, you know, at the time the link team, of course the office team, and it's sort of what is this package, BPOS. Um, and before that, my role just coming into that was I was building a solution on top of SharePoint, like you and many others in our community, um, but internally within the services organization. And that was called the Interactive Media Manager, which was essentially adding additional digital asset management capabilities, mostly the metadata store, mm -hmm. on top of SharePoint. So we were adding you know, a pretty robust uh, asset management metadata store and working closely with about three or four partners for a complete solution. So SharePoint was still our cornerstone. Where do you log in? Where do you fill out a form and submit and get things going? But it also became an orchestration engine through the capture of metadata, the capture of video, and of course the ultimate delivery through signage and 
you know, other video editing systems and tons of things that people could build off of that. Right. Um, but it was with that, per my previous role before that, which was in internal field training, uh, if you know Arpan Shah from a long ways ago. I do, over uh, in Asher now, yeah. Yeah, based on what I was doing with IMM and the work that I'd done with him as a subject matter expert capturing his you know, pre-SharePoint days, um, I got the call from Arpon that said, hey, we think you'd be a good fit for the product manager role for SharePoint Online. And that is essentially still my title uh, with some more responsibilities and a couple of level increases over the years, which, you know, phew, they still like what I do and I, I still like what I do too. Well, it's, uh, it's nice being part of, especially just in a workforce software company with so many other products and you see uh, you're there long enough, you see the end of life, a lot of these little products and SharePoint has been one where it's, it's been a, a good long run that's continuing and just a, a lot going on. So it's, um, not, nothing wrong with staying in a role and loving what you do. And of course, now you more recently, you, uh, besides these recent changes with the, the, the reorg and taking on some of Bill's work. Uh, good luck with that. Uh, but the, it was, but more recently, you took over the OneDrive components as well, because that's been, has it been two years? It's been less than that, right? Yeah, you know, I, I've dipped into OneDrive before, and that was just mostly in a transition when we were hiring a new person. Um, but in this le recent restructuring of our, our marketing, um, we do have a dedicated person to OneDrive for Business. Her, her name is Ankita Kurti. Sorry, Ankita Kurti. Um, and we also have on the consumer side, somebody dedicated to that. So I've sort of taken on a, a mentor role slash anytime we have the big announcements, big disclosures, big events, you know, on stage uh, and just managing, you know, across so that we can tell this dual use working with the Windows team when we talk about, you know, what is our value in Windows. There's a couple of things that now across three people, we've spread how we market OneDrive. Um, and I've just been sort of uh, I think in the in the essence of no new title, uh, you know, entered into this role of being lead for OneDrive, um, working with Ankita and Paul. Yeah, well, that's that's cool. I mean, because I you know, see your name out there as the for around blog posts that go through and share across the, these things, and uh, and I and you and I've had this conversation uh, you know a number of times in the last few years that that Microsoft across the board has gotten much better at the frequency and the quality of just uh, of, of information that's being shared about what's going on. The visibility levels gone way up. Now in, we always say that the SharePoint community, a lot of why it grew and was so robust for such a long time, really kind of the core to go to the, the root analysis was that the lack of documentation and visibility mm -hmm. to what was going on. And so we kind of had yep. to help each other and build that up. Uh, Microsoft is doing a great job there, but I think it's also, really expanded from the community as well um, that you are seeing more and more um, content and videos and, and actions and partnering between Microsoft and community members around the content. I know you're very involved with that as well. You've been doing the IntraZone podcast for how long now? You're at episode 30. Yeah, we're, we're just touching on episode 36. Yeah. Uh, that will release very soon. Um, if I look at my watch, I can I can see that it's coming up soon. Um, so we've got 37 episodes that are primarily you know broad or, or narrow topic type episodes, uh, and we also do once a month a bonus episode that's fully focused on the roadmap. So you know here is everything that shipped this month. 
And within those episodes, we usually talk to somebody from the program side of things, program management side of things, uh, that it's actually engineering the feature. How do they go about it? How do they design it? Um, and of course, I get to work with our friend, my friend Chris McNulty and a ton of guests. Um, so I know you know the value of doing a podcast. Um, I know the now selfish value of the podcast is I get to stay plugged in with MVPs, our customers, and our internal teams um, proactively because I get to reach out to them and say, hey, I'd love to work on an episode about X or Y. Or we get a request from you know people saying, I'd love to hear about whatever. Um, and so it's a nice mechanism for me to stay plugged in. But it's actually turned out to be a really nice marketing tool, uh, you know, for people to listen as they go on vacation or they go for a walk or as they're driving home in their commute. Um, you know, we try to keep it short. We're kind of at the hour length typically, um, but we're mindful for our monthly episodes, you know, that are these uh, roadmap oriented to keep those under 30 minutes. Um, and it's just one of those uh, great things to work on. Uh, it seems to be well-received so far. Uh, and if people don't know about it, definitely check out The Interzone. It's at aka.ms slash The Interzone. So I was just about halfway through before this, this time I was listening to the FAQs. Uh, oh, yeah. Excellent. So that's a lot of production work on that one because it's snippets, you know, from across. Yeah, we had this. You know, we had this great asset um, where we got a lot of good and sometimes tough questions at the SharePoint conference. That's at the AMA that we did at the end. And we have a, had a number of our engineers up on stage to field the questions. And it was just one of those things I'd been staring at for a while thinking, you know, we haven't yet published this. Right. Yeah. We, we may not publish it as is, but they were okay with me going in and cherry picking, you know, so it wasn't too long of an episode. And I didn't want to play it just verbatim so that, you know, I think the mindfulness of a good podcast or as I'm learning is just get to the point, but obviously keep what's interesting. And so, you know, we just removed a little bit of the fluff. We've got a great uh, behind the scenes team that were, uh, you know, taking the cues and editing it so it sounds good. And then we recorded the bits that we needed and, and got it out there. I, I, I was actually really happy how that, that episode turned out. Um, and it's one of those agile marketing, you know, we're getting pushed to, create lots of content, not just podcasting, but uh, to repurpose things, especially if it was a pretty narrow audience who might have heard it initially, uh, to try to get it out to folks that didn't attend the SharePoint conference. And one of the bigger pushes with the podcast is to, you know, get some folks that maybe aren't uh, currently fans of SharePoint, aren't aware of some of the things that we're doing most currently, uh, and making it a really easy touch where it's a really low investment on their end. You know, it's a having worked with uh, you know, with training and doing doing this kind of presenting for a long time, and and you know, different people, different personalities, you consume information in different ways, and so you, to, if you're only providing blog content, only providing feature articles, or even only video or or audio, any one channel, uh, it's it's not sufficient to reach the audience. You really have to think about how do we, you know, multi-purpose this this information. So. Just like I do with these, this is designed as a as a vlog. There's a video component if you're listening to the podcast, but I I simulcast it over onto the uh, the the podcast and try to have it at least a couple episodes a week. Um, so this is uh, of the Microsoft Buzz Chat. I think this is episode number five, but I'm almost to seventy of the MVP Ooh. Buzz Chat. Yeah, I've been doing great. that for, for a couple of years. Yeah, I, I would have I would have pointed right back at you and said you are essentially the guru. Uh, and I also think in that same vein, you know, Mike Gennady, you yeah. know, of creating a lot of content, putting it out there in multiple ways, you know, so that people can consume it. Um, and 
you know, keeping the spectrum of you're not just always talking about one topic, you know, that, that is yeah. well, the biggest well, learning. What's interesting, so I had a conversation with at SharePoint Fest last week with Sue Hanley uh, in, in the hallway. We were talking about like how we learn and, and she said something that's exactly the same way where I often, you know, I can go and watch videos, I can read things, but it's often not until I'm sitting down and writing through, putting in my words what, what the activity is. So like building content, that actually helps, that's where it clicks for me and where I start to understand that. And so I very much understand, like I still need to do the reading, I need to, to touch it, get my hands dirty, play with the technology to, to yep. understand it and be able to talk to it. Um, but for me, it's, it's the writing more than anything that it's why I go in and do that. It's, it's, it's almost an extension of, as I'm learning, let's learn together as I'm going through this experience. Uh, and uh, so it was great to hear th uh, that other people have that same experience. But it goes back to a conversation I had a few years back with somebody in the community who said, well, he was criticizing me. He wasn't like openly just straight like criticizing me for it, but he was in a How roundabout dare way. He? Who is that person? I'll well, get for, for writing an article that – Tell me who this is. That somebody else had already written an article on it. He's like, it's the definitive article. Why do you need to write on that? And my, and my response was, well, for one – he doesn't have my voice, my, my experience. Um, I relate it in different ways. I, I different perspectives on that, different customer experiences. Um, I have different audience than he does yeah, and all those different things. And, and you know, we're, when you're creating content, no matter what the medium, the, the, the biggest barrier to moving forward and writer's block comes from is that self editing and, one of the things that you need to do is, you know, if you're not comfortable with writing, do a podcast, do a video, get, create more content out there. Um, and and I, I think it all benefits. We need to have good filters for that information, ways to find that. Um, but don't think that, hey, somebody else has already done this topic. Get out there, yeah. share your I, view. I will tell you, you know, one of our nightmares just in general, and I would say probably for anybody in marketing or sales is when you talk to somebody and they haven't heard X or Y that you thought you were pretty loud and proud about, you know, that you put it out there and how could you not have seen it? You know, if you're asking the question, you should have seen it. But the reality is we don't own all channels. We aren't always perfect at distributing it to all channels and hey if there is a channel a blog a podcast a reference in a chat with a conversation live or you know in some tool that references points to or at least says the same exact thing i am deeply gratitude uh, in gratitude because that's just one other area where maybe we didn't think to go or wouldn't have gone and you know I'd love starting conversations that said I heard about X and Y tell me more versus yeah that caught me by surprise I never heard about that I wish I would have known um, so I think you know when you think about other people picking up things or you're, you're giving your own slant on something uh, I don't think that would ever be a bad thing it, especially when you're wanting to get you know some information out there if not significantly out there uh, that is always very welcome you know, it's it's funny. It's one of the reasons why I started the Collab Talk Tweet Jam, which I've been doing since January of 2012, almost I every month since then. Yeah. There was one today, yes. Um, but one of the it was to get out of the echo chamber, to uh, to to get other voices in there, so that I could be familiar with, get to know other people, other levels of expertise, get their input on stuff, and and uh, 
I, I love that getting that perspective. Um, and uh, sometimes just not trying to answer what I think I know about a, a topic, but just to listen and, uh, and ask additional kind of refining questions right there in real time. Um, so I, I always learn so much from these, these sessions. And um, that, that's a, the, the other thing I love is when I hear back from people, if I do write something or present something and, and people come up and said, or send me, said, hey, you know what? There's this great link. And I'm not talking about, hey, here's a link to my white paper that people download for the product that we're selling that's related to what you're talking about. Like, not those. Those yeah. are inevitable. We're going to get them. Um, but when people come up and says, you know, hey, I blogged about this last year. I'll send you a link and the experience that I went through, some of the difficulty that I have with the solution that you just ran past very quickly. I'm like, love it. Love citing those pointing people to these other assets that are out there. Uh, so always welcome that. Yeah, my, my one example that I can I still point people to is one of our community members, uh, Mikael Svensson, Svensson? Uh, yep. uh, I, I, I can't get his Svensson. last name. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, Mikael. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he, you know, he wrote a great blog post about how to take a communication site and through a PowerShell command, enable external sharing. And I will say from the Microsoft perspective, we support that. We, we want people to use SharePoint sites for external use, if it's broad external use, or like you and I had a session where we were just talking about bringing people in as guests to your site and content. But specifically for communication sites, we don't have the actual toggle UI for a site owner to be able to go and do that. But we support it. If, enable, if, if external sharing is enabled by IT, Michael wrote out a really nice blog post that describes exactly how to do it, and it's in a very supported fashion. Um, he was ahead of the game before we documented it, and you know, I'm just as happy to point to his uh, blog post. Uh, sometimes I get the feedback like, "Hey, you know, you're pointing me to a third-party blog," and it's like, "Yeah, because it's up, it's the right, and I'm at least telling you it's supported." So it's a great asset. Um, and it's very succinct, you know, it just gets right to the point. I think it's hopefully one example, like you were saying, where, you know, pointing somebody to the right resource, or if I were to have, you know, written a little thing and then, hey, go check out Mikhail's uh, blog, I think that's very valid uh, and, and very necessary. You know, there's an old movie, I don't remember what it is, but it's like New York City, Christmas, and, and uh, um, I used to know the name of the movie, but uh, where, but it's just kind of a famous movie where in somebody comes in and the, 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 the manager of this department store is like, oh, we don't have that. But you know, our competitor across the street, I know that they have that. Mm -hmm. So I'll send you over there to go and do that. That's always been a, I just, as a, uh, as a business owner, as a, uh, as a, a technical evangelist for some of the ISVs within the SharePoint community, I was never afraid to say, no, look, we don't do this or we don't do this piece well. And what you really need is this one uh, from our competitor. Great example, um, back when I was with Acceler and doing migration and people would come in and ask about, um, uh, about doing uh, like file share migrations. And we eventually, we built out our, our file migration tool, but when we didn't have one, I'd point people over to Quest all the time. And likewise, they, we had a friendly, you know, uh, co relationship and they would point back on other things to one of our products. And we just kind of had this, you know, this unofficial rule of, Hey, we were not going to go in and try and steal the clients on these other things. But, uh, you know, when we had a client that had a need, 
that what we try to do is solve that need. And I've always had that perspective. Again, go back to the tweet jam. My first, you know, tweet jam, I had uh, invited people and had participate people from Quest and and Metalogics and Avpoint and uh, and then you know we with Acceler and all these and it was great to have all those voices. We were all friends anyway, mm-hmm. uh, you know, no matter what the salespeople were doing in the, in the background. Um, but that's a great philosophy that I think is also part of a I would say is a part of the cultural change with Microsoft, where if there wasn't an official answer, Microsoft would not answer or provide the non-answer that was in the documentation. And it was incredibly yeah. frustrating sometimes. Versus, you know, hey, here's what, the, you know, this is what this person, the community, this is a workaround that they found and be able to leverage that, that we don't have this piece, this officially supported yet or it's not there. Here are some options for you. Yeah, I, you know, from both a product perspective and a community perspective, I would say, I don't know what the exact ratio is. We always say it one to seven, you know, one of what we do is really seven, you know, times of what other people are contributing or providing as far as solutions. Um, some of that you can see, you know, easily in the community, there's just a wealth of information that people put out there. Um, and even though I don't have a great competitor type example for the space that I work in, cause we're, we usually don't point to other competitors, just not, not to be silly, but you know, it's sort of a, a weird space. However, if you look at what we're doing with the new Chrome experience within Edge, you know, we're pretty public about how we're leveraging that technology so that Chrome can get better. And I think they just recently uh, pushed information of what we were either working on or had found something that would boost performance uh, that we then shipped to them for them to put into the base of Chrome that of course would benefit, you know, as it came back into edge, but also benefits anything that leverages that same base engine. Um, So there's a lot of great synergies, obviously when it's right to cooperate, when it's, you know, co-opetition is always interesting and competitive natures or just general notions of being aware of what other people are doing is, is never a terrible thing. And I think, you know, the new Microsoft certainly is very competitive, um, very open in terms of sharing. uh, And certainly, you know, when we're not sharing, it's proprietary and, and it would make sense for the business. But it's a very different place, you know, even even for me, you know, as I compare to five or 10 years ago. And it wasn't to say five or 10 years ago was terrible. It was just different. You know, it's this now more services led world. You are pulling together lots of different parts of code or practices that seem to be working or, you know, relating to others so that, you know, you are operating in the same space. Might as well talk the same talk. Um, there's a lot of things that, you know, get blended together for the benefit of the end user experience. Um, and some of that goes into design. Some of it goes into development, certainly plays into our marketing. Uh, and back to the channels distribution, we are so appreciative of when partners and sometimes competitors who are partners have a message that we can co-opt on um, and, and go to market in a similar fashion, or at least in a parallel fashion. Right. Well, and, and I think that's the, the, uh, the, the, the difference there. It's not that you're, you know, co-opting or you're stealing their their messaging around that again if your focus is on the customer on the end user and solving the problem and that you know just be open about you know here's the part that we bring here's the part that microsoft brings as a partner we bring this microsoft brings this piece this is what you need to go do on in your own um be be open with people about that um i think it was was it mr kruger's 
Christmas or something like that. That was the movie I was thinking of. You know the one I'm talking about? I was just going to go with, I was just going to with Home Alone just so I could do this. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was going to say it was, you know, every time a bell rings, Christian sings or something like that. Yeah, I, don't yeah. I, don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, the, the, but I think it, I really liked, um, and I referenced this a lot when Satya uh, became CEO, his first keynote was at the partner conference. What was that four years ago now? Mm-hmm. Um, and just to very roughly paraphrase around that, he said kind of the, the uh, an updated version of, you know, our goal is we're going to build the best software in the world uh, as Microsoft, but where we don't have the best solution or any solution, we will partner, we will integrate so that, uh, and they they went on to talk about the one Microsoft and it was kind of the beginning of that movement of, uh, you know, to, to, I guess, supplant the old battling business units model where you had, a lot of people don't know this too about internally, and maybe this is still true to some extent, but there would be two or three or more, you know, completely different initiatives and they just like see who wins kind of thing. And it's, you know, there are better ways to go and build some things, but, but anyway, it was again, I just want to put my, my least favorite saying, which is exactly how that, that was done in the past was let a thousand flowers bloom, you know, and then you see which one grew the tallest, the fastest and was the prettiest. And you're just like, Oh my God, I can't believe that three teams are doing the exact same thing. And everybody's aware of it. And nobody's trying to bring these resources together. It used to drive me crazy. I used to ask that question a lot, especially when we went through that period with the labs. I'd see really cool things that were done in more of an R&D mode, R&D mode and say, like, are you aware that like the OneNote team has something similar to that? Yep. No, I had no idea. It's like, uh, uh, oh boy. But yeah. I, but I'll tell you, here, here are two examples, and this is really um, more back to partners. Uh, you know, we recently have been doing a lot of work with Adobe, who, yeah. depending on how you look at them, sometimes we, we are partners and sometimes we're a little bit in competition. But from a, a OneDrive and a SharePoint perspective, you know, this, if you store primarily PDFs, which a lot of people do, it's a huge part of what's stored in, the, in the cl- our cloud. Um, and we, for a while, had kind of a lesser than experience when you wanted to move from a view the PDF to edit it. Uh, and, and, you know, so we've gotten some flack for that. But in working closely with them, we now have a really great experience where you can view the PDF. And as you move into an edit motion, they now have some really nice web-based technology that's actually integrated in our, when you go to open in essentially their web-based PDF editor, um, or if you want to take that to the next step to, to do something with Acrobat on your desktop. Um, so that's, that's one nice example where we really partnered closely with them to the benefit of everybody, you know, so that they could put their best foot forward we could stop, you know, having this lesser than experience for people actually downloading out of the service, which is the very wrong method. Um, we want to keep that file in place. Um, the other thing we've recently done is with Samsung, which has not always been a competitor, but they represent the face of Android when it comes to mobile. Mm-hmm. And we've partnered with them a number of times. And most recently, this really nice first uh, a tier one experience of OneDrive, not only installed by default, but actually backing up your photos from the Samsung gallery, which is a, a pretty tier one app that they manage, to then have that backed up by OneDrive. That's a, a recent announcement. Um, and further work in how we're shipping and having great experiences on day one that you know you need to sign up into if you have the service or not. But to be there and be present, to at least be a side-by-side and have options um, is something that we've worked really hard 
you know, with Samsung to do. But at the same time, remember, that's Android. We're, right. we're you know, pretty available on all platforms uh, and really working hard to, you know, have a good first run experience, but not have it be Windows, Windows, Windows. You know, right. we have great Windows experiences, but that was an Android example. I didn't look for the Samsung connection to this, but when the announcement was made of that new feature, and I know this is outside of your area, but where you could take a picture of a table or graph in uh, you know, a table uh, in a yep. book and then paste that into uh, uh, Excel, the mobile app, and it would convert it into a table yeah. right there. Yeah. Incredible. It was first only available in the Android app. And when yep. that was announced, people were like, what the, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, to, you got to start somewhere. The, right. the, the thing that maybe doesn't- It's now supported in iPhone, by the way, for folks that are wondering, it's there. So. Yeah, yeah. The reality, though, of, of when you actually start to think and ask those questions to the engineering team, like, why not both and everything at the same time? Uh, the reality is some of this is newer tech or they're redesigning it in a way, you know, or it's just innovative, like that one particular feature. And if they do it for both at the same time and they don't get it quite right, right, you know, some of the shared code between the two, which is really our service on the back end, there's one pathway to learn once and then duplicate versus do in parallel and have to restructure if, if you need to. Right. Um, and we've done that with the SharePoint, the SharePoint app, the OneDrive app, you know, it'll first come to one or the other platforms. And it used to be mostly first to iOS. But now Android has such a great, not only Android phones out there compared to iPhones, they're, they're you know, pretty competitive as far as the device themselves, but our apps actually being used on both is pretty you know, significantly high numbers on both. Right. So you still choose one over the other, even though we always try to showcase the intent is to, of course, just to be everywhere. I put that in the same category of, you know, you hear about some new cool feature. If you're on the other platform, if, you, if you're doing that, it's a, it's a true MVP. It's that initial thing. It's not yet yep. ready for prime time. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, with, with any new feature that's going, uh, you know, directly to the service and when's it going to hit my tenant? You know, it's never fast enough. You hear yep. about something and people either freak out like, well, what? you're changing the way that I know the world or it just can't get there fast enough. Yeah. You want to see what it looks like? Uh, the faces that I usually get when people ask me that question, this is what they look like. When's it coming to my tenant? <laughs> and of course we, we have a better answer than we've ever had but yeah it's still uh you know a, a matter of timing um and not to be cheeky about it but i always think gosh we've come such a long way from shipping things every three years yeah and i it even gives me pain to think man imagine in that three-year cycle we had a year of planning a year of testing and then a year of essentially baking it to roll it out if you had a particular feature that you wanted or you're waiting for that didn't get called out to say it was going to be in this next release that's it for years you know you're just talking okay they're not going to do that for quite some time now at least you can hear twice a year big disclosures big announcements most of it you know rolled out within a four to six month window um, some of them are longer dig projects but you know a lot lesser than three years usually yeah. under a year we really target from what we are willing to disclose that, you know, four to six months from disclosure. Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's a lot more frequent than just the, the twice a year around that. It, there's just, there, it, there's a constant breakneck 
speed at which uh, innovation is, is coming out. Now, of course, that's across all of the various applications and, and microservices that are within you know, Office 365 and the Office Suite and Windows uh, and all the mobile capability. I mean, if you're using Dynamics, I mean, there's just so much news coming across those things. And if you're using everything, it's a lot of information that you're consuming it's on a lot. basis. It is. And, and, yep. Yeah. It's interesting when you talk to small to mid-size IT, that's nothing to be defined except for they just don't have as many people on the payroll. Uh, when it comes to delegating these different admin roles or business owners that, you know, sort of shape how it is we're going to use X or Y. And you know better than me those conversations you walk into. And sometimes it's in parallel. There are many projects going on. And sometimes there's just a more serial approach because you, you have to start with X, make, make Active Directory happy and healthy and your, your march to the cloud will be good. And then what's next and what's next and what's next. And when you've got then different business units, either hiring partners or working with IT, you know, the bigger the organization, the more typically you can do in parallel. Right. But the same thing is true, whether it's one person or 10 people or 100 people, with good and allocation and, de and delegation, um, you know, that, that still lots of news. If it's just for one person, then that certainly is overwhelming. You don't know no I mean, the, the size of an organization does not dictate the complexity of what you're trying to accomplish anymore. Very I mean, true. You have a 10, 20 person organization and be fully in, in, you know, with every aspect of what, you know, the Microsoft offers to go in there and truly create that, you know, uh, that transformational intelligent workplace, you know, model yep. and, and yep. automate everything um, and, and be just as complex as if you were a, you know, 5,000 person organization. Yep. Maybe yep. slightly less data that's captured than a 5,000 person organization, but that may not even be true depending on what the business does. Uh, we, we see gigabytes and terabytes and zettabytes and big bytes all over the place. And, and sometimes surprising when you look at the, the seat count, we usually don't have great visibility beyond what, what is the uh, amount of content being stored per attendant abstracted. We don't know, you know, we know who they are, but not necessarily what the content is, of course. Right. And you look at then the number of seats that they have licensed, which is just a way for us to understand, is this a big, small, medium? Um, and then you look at it and sometimes it's pretty straightforward. Small is small and big is big, but sometimes super big is really small and vice versa. Right. Um, and, and at the same time, the value of the, the, the service is how it can scale based on what they use uh, more so than in the past based on what they actually use, not based on this guess of an allocation. Right. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that was, that was the yeah. death knell for a lot of the, you know, the early version of what is now Office 365 was, I mean, people would be shocked at the server footprint that we would have to go and deploy because we just didn't have the way to dynamically scale that once they were live. And we had to have the system you know, able to scale based on that, you know, high rate of concurrency around certain activities and kind of everything else that's involved with that. And and so, yeah, it was a different world. That was, you know, a decade ago, 15 years ago, yep. what it is today. Um, but now it's, you know, more and more organizations, it's like you're, they're cloud first as they're starting up. There's not a need in most cases to go and, and host anything on-prem and do everything, you know, from this the services model. It's, it's very exciting. I, I find that, uh, 
I'm not having to go in and do that, that argue that, um, you know, install locally, license it, uh, you know, that, that kind of, uh, that, that licensing model versus the evergreen model where I mean, initially you had people say, well, look, I bought Microsoft office suite, you know, one time I own that for five years. It's all I need kind of thing mm -hmm. versus the, why am I paying now, you know, a hundred dollars, $120 a year. And, but when you look at what's involved, how much that is being updated, um, all that that does, it licenses the multiple devices, all that kind of stuff now. Why would you ever, why would you ever go and buy that package solution? Yeah, I mean, I think the options are always out there because uh, sometimes it's not a cost issue. It's, uh, you know, regulatory or data sovereignty or, you know, we hear a lot of things. And some of it is just a matter of time. We can't get to the cloud fast enough. Right. Um, but, you know, the cloud has been ready and is more ready and is we're doing everything we can to help people get there. And once they're there for it to be a great experience um, and the other benefit, you know, that we're not shipping things every three years is things get, you know, tweaked and fixed very quickly so that it makes it a better user experience, but also makes it so that we're able to scale, we're, we're more performant, we're more responsive, you know, both in mobile and web. And, you know, there's been a lot of innovation there. There's also just been a lot of catch up, like what does the internet expect? Granted, we're focused on just the intranet or the extranet. But, you know, the end user experience, uh, the, the perspective and the, re the requirements are, you know, a higher bar than they used to be. And so hopefully you, you could attest to this. You've seen SharePoint grow up. You've seen OneDrive grow up. Some of these new services where they start is certainly not at the level of what you might have thought in the past, but right in the middle. And they, you know, tweak and tune to make their performance better. But a lot of it is just scale and numbers. You know, it used to be really hard to reach an entire organization of X number from the whatever server farm you'd established. Anytime you wanted to go bigger, go more, that was a big investment, not just of cost and time, but to have that be properly tuned so that it was a good offering to the rest of the, the company. Um, now, you know, we've been at scale for quite some time and we host, you know, uh, onesie twosie size tenants all the way up to hundreds of thousands of people in a tenant, all very active on both ends of the spectrum. Uh, and outside of, you know, with really big deals and some of them, you know, being government oriented, some of them being just really large enterprises, we're pretty involved to make sure that they have a great experience on day one, you know, because there there are certain things that we can do uh, knowing if a big deal has been signed. But outside of that, it's pretty self-service and, and self-regulating, um, and if not heavily monitored so that we can see things before they happen. Uh, and that's, you know, really fascinating. We did an episode on the, on the podcast all about just data centers, yeah. and there was three parts to it. There was the data center itself. How are we innovating at the data center layer, which is, you know, these huge big buildings that kind of hum on their own. Uh, down to the investments that we make so that we're projecting ahead, how much storage, how many servers, how many whatever, mm. and down into that layer that we now call SharePoint Online. But what is, what is that plethora of services that surrounds it so that that in and out of the data center is a great experience when SharePoint is hosted for you in Microsoft 365? Is building 11 torn down yet? That's coming down, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I feel like everything's been torn down. I, I stare out my window and I, I'm waiting for the bulldozer to come to building three. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, if you look out from building three, building four is still there, but everything to essentially, you know, the, the 20s has been 
pretty much demolished. Demolished, yeah. So I was in 11 for a while, and that's where why I brought that up. That was where the old NOC, the Network Operating Center, uh, it, yeah. the early days was. I think it then moved over to Red West from there. I can't remember. Uh -huh. But yep. uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, back in that era, of course, I worked in um, that, that space for many, many years and was into the whole data warehousing scene. All the kids, cool kids were doing it. So. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, but, that's uh, where Bill started too, back to yeah, Bill. That's right. Yeah. So it's, uh, that's why, yeah, Bill and I were peers in that team when I joined Microsoft. So it was mm -hmm. that whole, uh, people that know, don't know that history, but it was Microsoft managed uh, solutions. It was spun out of Microsoft IT, but MMS was the precursor to BPOS, which was yep. Business Productivity Online Services, which became Office 365. So That's right. Yeah. And I think the first customer, you can tell me if you remember this as well, that uh, this was just Bill telling me stories, you know, of old. But I think our first customer that I can say, you know, because it was, it was public at the time was Energizer. Correct. They were one of our first, what we at the time, you know, called Hosted Cloud. Um, but that was MMS. They were one of the first dedicated companies that is still with us and, you know, just got transitioned over into the multi-tenant space because we've done that now with all of our dedicated customers. So yeah, I've not seen, so Dave Walsh was my GM and they owned all of that. Yeah. So when I hired them, so he was the guy that hired me and I saw him in Dublin at ESPC uh, all right. a year and a half ago. And was it a year and a half? yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, so the, the almost two years. And uh, so I've not seen him since then, but I asked him a, about a bunch of the clients. I managed a couple of relationships there. I had customer number two uh, was one of mine on the SharePoint side, uh, which awesome. I can't talk about, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, we, we had some issues in the early days, but um, you know, and he said, he said, Oh yeah, there's uh, you know, a lot of these, a group of a uh, small number of them that are still there. And he talked about, you know, their, I mean, Microsoft was moving towards this, uh, a lot of the multi-tenancy you know, issues yeah. that, that were holding them in within that environment. So I'd be interested to talk to them to, today and see if they're all now off that old platform. And yeah, they they you know were given a pretty significant heads up, um, but our goal was to get them intact into the multi-tenant space. They would be a, a a larger tenant within that multi-tenant space, the same as Microsoft is, you know, a larger tenant within the multi-tenant space. And there's ways to, you know, put people in the right place that, that makes it, it's mostly for us, easier to get them the features they were begging for that were only released to multi-tenant versus dedicated. But at the same time, also just the service itself now treats them as any other tenant when it comes to health, reliability, backup, security. You know, it's no, no longer this weird silo that we kind of have to maintain at, a, at an additional cost and resources. Right. That was a, I tell you, that was a heck of a deal for those clients that were on that, that were, they had Microsoft essentially running their IT. Yeah, uh, dedicated support, dedicated hardware management, yeah. uh, you know, it was at a cost. And, and for them now, that's also a less of a cost as we move them over to the multi-tenant space. Um, but, you know, they actually were very similar to on-prem customers that were asking, you know, when is this cloud feature going to come to me? You know, they were very on-premises oriented, even though it was a hosted model. Uh, so anyway, good news all around and getting them intact also meant some new features to the multi-tenant space, some of which haven't yet hit scale. They, they've sort of stayed with those customers because our promise to them was not to backtrack any features. Um, but there are a couple that will you know, come relatively soon or, or have already dropped that were based on the work that we had already done at the sort of farm level administration 
now, you know, moving in things like I think site URL rename was kind of a common action, you know, when you think of I'm just administering SharePoint in a dedicated fashion, aka on premises. You know, that's not necessarily a new thing that you can do with SharePoint, but very new in the multi tenant space. Right. Uh, it was cool to show that off and, you know, kind of see maybe a forcing function of why we got that feature, but at the same time, it's so well received, it's a great thing for us to then go and build it scale. Yeah, for sure. Well, Mark, hey, really appreciate your time today and kind of going through, giving some of the history and your history. Uh, people want to find out more about you, uh, contact you, follow you, all those kinds of things. What are the best ways to reach you? Yeah, I'm active on Twitter. So if you just go to at M Cashman with a K, M K A S H M A N, uh, I usually am touting some things about SharePoint with the occasional bad pun. Um, I got a decent occasional LinkedIn updated pun. profile. Frequent, Mark, <laughs> Frequent. Okay, you know, I, I, I try to keep them at least in, sort of fun and clever. I noticed that Teeper was, was talking about, uh, and he, he even said, he referred to, he's like, oh, that's kind of like one of those Cashman puns. <laughs> that's <know>. right. <laughs> that's right. I never know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I'll take it as anything right. from Jeff is always meant to be in the positive. So, yeah. uh, but on LinkedIn, you know, updated my profile since we acquired them and have been a little bit more active there. Um, and then primarily through both the OneDrive and the SharePoint community blogs, of which you can always uh, find just by going to aka.ms slash SharePoint slash blog or aka.ms slash OneDrive slash blog. Uh, and myself and a lot of other people publishing all of the, the news and updated information with customer case studies and opinions and whatnot. Uh, so that's where I'm most active in those three places. And of course, as you mentioned towards the beginning, you can find your weekly weekly episodes of the Intro Zone. Is that correct? That's right. Uh, we're we're commonly biweekly, okay. uh, but really three times a month because we do the bonus episode. Right. Uh, and so definitely check out the Intro Zone, aka.ms/slash the Intro Zone, uh, and it's myself and Chris McNulty co-hosting it, usually with one or two guests per episode, and we cover a broad spectrum of the intelligent internet powered by SharePoint. And it's, uh, as I mentioned, there's a great one that's out there, episode 36, that's the FAQs, which is the- Just the, uh, just the facts. Just the facts, that's right. <laughs> um, which is uh, the panel of uh, engineering leads and stuff that was from the SharePoint conference in May in Las Vegas. So definitely go yep. check that out as well. So Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the time. Thanks for obviously this great, episode and offering and for well, all the work you're assuming you do. it's great because you were on it that's like well, i don't mean just me i mean uh, i mean the, the chat series <laughs> you're doing a great job with the chat series and of course collab talk and anytime you have something that you want to share we'll help amplify it how about that? yeah no thanks and thanks for participating over the years so and we'll we'll see you on the next one sounds good thanks talk to you later wow. Wow.